0: The truth is, I suck at handling criticism, especially nitpicking, ignorance-based, selfishly motivated, unjustified criticism. All right, I admit it. Sometimes I suck at handling any kind of criticism. At my age, you would think I should be able to rise above it. I hate the way it always gets to me. And this confession reveals one of my greatest character flaws— I probably care too much about what people think. Oh, I know I should be consumed with pleasing God, but I'm often consumed with the impossible, trying to please other people. And I know it's wrong, but it's the truth. When people take their shots at me, I find myself wanting to defend my actions, justify my behavior, even be critical back at them. As I struggle with this, I've learned that the more insecure we are, the harder it is to take criticism. Because we are insecure in many ways, we have a hard time ignoring harsh criticism and those who express them. We're already questioning ourselves, so having someone else apparently finding fault and questioning us is pretty hard to take. I've also learned that the more secure I am, in my relationship with the Lord, the more I am aware of who I am in Christ, and thus living in the assurance of his love, the confidence that comes with knowing I'm loved unconditionally, the more secure I am in Christ, the less other people's criticisms bother me and the better I handle them. I can handle them in a more constructive manner. I can put the truths Pull the truths out of the criticism, adjust my life accordingly, and treat my critic with respect and dignity. You've got to remember that in every critical comment, there is at least 10% truth. So when I feel secure and know who I am in Christ, I am less bothered by people's criticisms and I handle them better. One pastor writes, Years ago, one church member's dog died of old age. Sugar, the 14-year-old mutt, went to wherever dogs go when they die. I'm very aware that for many people, their pets are a very vital part of their family and that the loss of a pet can be traumatic. So I sent Sugar's human a card, the only card I've ever sent for the death of an animal, intending to follow up with a phone call. In my mind, I was displaying exceptional pastoral care. To my shock, he called me first, extremely upset, and at the top of his lungs he yelled, How can you call yourself a pastor? You didn't even visit me in my home after I lost a family member. The pastor goes on to write, A house call for a dead dog? It never occurred to me. It is a little unlucky for me that tolerating critical people is part of my job description as someone who is in full-time ministry. Article 7, paragraph 19.2, if you want to look it up. And believe me, people can be and are critical, often over the smallest things. Here is one of life's difficult realities. Negative people simply won't go away. That is one of life's difficult realities. Negative people, critical people, simply won't go away. They've been around since the beginning of time. Even godly people in the Bible faced constant criticism. Moses married a foreigner, and for that, his siblings, Aaron and Miriam, criticized him sharply. The man who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, was called a hypocrite and criticized for being a lousy speaker. Even Jesus Christ, the Messiah, took heat for healing on the day of rest, eating with the wrong crowd, and claiming to be the Son of God. And I am sure you often face critical people yourself. It could be somebody where you work, a family member, even your spouse, Someone you respect who jumps on you and is critical, they think that your clothes, your hair, your attitude, they're all wrong. You don't measure up, you're criticized coming and going, you just never seem to do good enough. We all suffer with criticism, and I battle two wrong desires when I'm criticized, two wrong desires when I'm criticized. Depending on the day, I'm tempted towards fighting or flight, fight or flight. Both responses are useless and wrong for the believer and for the follower of Jesus. Most often my first reaction is to fight, to defend myself, to silence the accusers. I feel bitter and I want to retaliate. Experience has taught me that this method usually backfires. My fallback reaction comes when I'm tired, for whatever reason, especially tired of the constant battle. When I don't feel like another fight, I resort to flight. I want to hide. I want to pretend that the criticism isn't real. I want to quit and move somewhere, anywhere. I want to stick my head in the sand and hope it all goes away. Fight? or flight. Those are my two choices. God's method is by far the better way, better than either of these two options. So I'm hoping to give you some useful strategies for dealing with critical people. It's never fun, it's never easy, but it is necessary, as critical people are everywhere and in everyone's life. And we need to learn to handle criticism and critical people if we're going to make any sort of difference in the world. I learned a very valuable lesson from one of my early mentors in ministry, a valuable principle about criticism. They taught me to simply consider the source. Consider the source. In other words, before I focus too much on what's being said, I should ask myself, who's saying it? The who is often more important than the what. Why is that important? That's important because the who determines, helps me to determine my most appropriate response. Instead of fight or flight, the Bible provides three better responses. And when I know who is saying the critical thing, long before I'm concerned about what it is they are saying, then I'm better able to fulfill these three biblical responses. Three responses, biblical, that we should have towards any criticism that is aimed at us. Number one, we need to listen. Number two, we need to answer. And number three, we need to dismiss. There's a fourth one, but we'll get to that later. To choose the best of these three, listen, answer, dismiss, in any given situation, we need to know who's offering the criticism and why. So here are a few pointers in the art of diagnosing and dealing with a critic. Listen to criticism. When it's appropriate. That's number one. Listen to criticism when it's important, when it's appropriate. Proverbs 15 verses 31 and 32 says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject criticism, you only harm yourself. Proverbs 15. 31 and 32, I'm quoting from the New Living Translation and it says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject criticism, you only harm yourself. In other words, some criticism is actually useful and important. Sometimes it's given by people who care enough about you to risk offending you. Their criticism is constructive. They offer suggestions to help you improve yourself. And remember, in any criticism, there is at least 10% truth. I try to listen to others when I believe their motives are pure, pure, constructive criticism. When someone you love, someone you trust offers advice, You'll feel that it's being critical, but it's really advice. You're wise to listen and take it to heart. And this is important. Occasionally, someone outside your inner circle may also offer constructive criticism. Outside criticism is hard to receive. Sometimes you can learn from it. So you need to listen. So, as my mentor has taught me, consider the source. If the source is a mature Christian, someone you can learn from, pay attention. When someone cares deeply about you, the Bible says you're wise to listen, even if the truth hurts. You know, they'll speak the truth in love. You might not think it's love, but that's why they're doing it. But even when the criticism is from someone outside your trusted circle, listen. If you don't... You're only hurting yourself. So instead of fight or flight, the Bible provides three better responses. First response is that you listen, then you answer or you dismiss. So let's look at the second way we handle criticism, and that is we answer it. We literally do respond to the critic. Oftentimes, someone may criticize you without the goal of helping you. They simply want to voice dislike for you Or dislike for something that you said or did. And you might call that destructive criticism. And in this case, you should answer the critic and the criticism. So the question is, when is it wise to answer the critic and speak to the criticism? And the answer to that question is simple. Whenever you think that offering a response can help the critic understand you and understand your position. But, 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 watch your attitude. Simply answering can easily turn into defensiveness. So consider answering critics when they are missing important information that could change their perception. Of course, this is assuming that they're open to listening and are not simply dumping on you and then running. Maybe they only know part of the story. Perhaps tactfully providing one or two missing details could transform a critic into someone who can support you in fighting the rumor and writing the situation. Gideon, one of Israel's national leaders in the Old Testament, gave us a great model for answering criticism. The delegation from the tribe of Ephraim was upset that Gideon didn't seem to be paying them enough attention. And you'll see that in Judges chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, which recount the story. And it says there that the Ephraimites asked Gideon, Why have you treated us like this? And they criticized him sharply, but he answered them. So Gideon acts wisely. He gave them more information, in this case, information about the high regard in which he held them. He built up the Ephraimites with encouraging and positive words, and his answer helped them understand the bigger picture, understand his heart, and understand the why of why he was doing what he was doing and the way he was thinking. And so in Judges chapter 8, verse 3, it says, when the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, They were no longer angry. So sometimes a soft and a wise answer can silence the critics. Careful, though. Try to choose an opportune time for your response. Think out your answer carefully before you start to give it. And prepare your heart to present your explanation in an appropriate, loving, gracious, and caring way. Gentle thoughtful and helpful answers sometimes make sense to the person with an open mind. If, 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 they are honestly seeking clarification or are simply confused, it is a pleasure to answer the critic and offer understanding. But if my critic is obviously not going to listen, I have to approach them in a different and very difficult way. So let me summarize. Instead of fighting or flight, the Bible provides three better responses. We listen. We answer. And the third response is to dismiss. And it's not an easy one, but it's a necessary one. The third appropriate response to criticism when it is not a valid criticism may be simply to dismiss it. You know, I am convinced that some people see only the bad side of everything. All of their silver linings have clouds. These horrible, miserable individuals have the gift of dragging people down, especially themselves, but also those that they're critical of. They are what I have called for many decades now DPs, very draining people. And I have chosen not to let them do that to me. And if you face someone who can't be pleased, dismiss their invalid criticism. Here's a thought. Someone said that praise and criticism are windows to the heart or to the soul. And that what a person praises and what he or she criticizes tells us a lot about that person. What we praise often reveals what we value the most. So if I say that you have a beautiful car, chances are I value nice cars. If I go crazy over your yard, then I value well-maintained flower gardens. At the same time, the topics of our criticism often reveal our deepest insecurities. If I criticize you for being overly confident, chances are good that I have a self-esteem problem. If I judge you for living in a nice home, I may battle with materialism or jealousy. So when dealing with overly critical people who you really need to dismiss, we really do need to try to see past the arrows to the struggles that launch them. Let me give you a striking example of this. A young man who threw a fit because his roommate was looking at pornography on his computer With apparently righteous passion, Steve went to his pastor and ranted about his roommate's lustful sins. He was really critical and wanted to know if he should evict his roommate immediately. The pastor was able to cool Steve down a few degrees. They prayed for his roommate, and then the appointment ended. However, Steve was still boiling about his friend's sin. The next day, the pastor learned some tragic news. Steve had been having a three-year affair with a married woman. Steve's anger at, Steve's criticism of his roommate was really a manifestation of his shame over his own sin and transgression. You see, criticism can be a window to the soul. Perhaps that is why Jesus asked in Luke 6, verses 41 and 42, Luke 6, verses 41 and 42, and I'm going to read them to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So, if someone picking you apart, finding fault with everything you do, you may simply need to take the third option and dismiss the criticism, but look past the criticism to the root of it in that person, in their soul, in their heart, and love the critic. However, as you do that, you should work at understanding who the critic is and why they're bitter and critical. The person may be emotionally unhealthy, they may be wounded, and it is a fact that hurt people hurt people. They usually dislike themselves and criticize others in a misguided effort to validate themselves. If one of those injured souls lobs a criticism grenade in your direction, diffuse it with understanding. Part of considering the source, my mentor's advice years ago, is seeking awareness of what that person may be going through. Your critic may be struggling at work. He may be facing a midlife crisis. She may be several years into a painful marriage. They may be weathering some family problems. They may have a dying parent or a sick child. And you just got lucky. You were the closest target. So dismiss the criticism and love the person through their pain. Another pastor writes, One time I was praying during worship, a few moments before preaching, eyes closed, focusing on God, I felt someone slip a note into my hand. I never saw who it was, but the note was marked, Personal. And I thought to myself, Wow, somebody probably wrote a nice note to encourage me before I preach. A warm, loving feeling settled over me as I, as I unfolded the paper. A moment later, I lost that loving feeling. Eventually, the note evidently the note was from a woman who had tried to see me on Friday, my day off. She took offense to my absence and blasted me with hateful accusations. This happened literally seconds before I was to stand up to preach. And in that moment, I had a choice. I could internalize the offense and become demoralized and discouraged and offended, or I could ask myself, I wonder what she's experienced that caused her to lash out. So I chose compassion over depression. My heart hurt for her, and I knew that such a disproportionate reaction must indicate deep pain, so I didn't take her note personally. So my point is, consider the source. And consider that the jab may come from an injured heart. Dismiss it and move on. It's okay. Sometimes you should listen to your critics, even the ones that don't like you. Sometimes you answer your critics. If more information and a bigger perspective, the bigger picture will help them to understand. Sometimes you dismiss the criticism but love the critic But what happens if you can't ignore them? This is the fourth thing the Bible tells us we must do. If you can't ignore them, what do you do when people say things about you that are not true and you try to dismiss them, which is number three, but they resurface again and again and again? Well, there is this fourth response to criticism. And it's not in any way an easy thing to do. When critical people just won't go away, I can only tell you one thing to do. Endure. Endurance is critical if you want to succeed at anything that God sets before you. Whenever you veer off the beaten track, whenever you blaze a new trail, you will be criticized, and sometimes it will be relentless. It won't go away, and you must simply endure. You know, in the church world, I'm grateful for the spiritual trailblazers. Ten of the twelve original disciples died a martyr's death, spreading the gospel so that one day I'd hear and believe. They endured. Martin Luther faced a life-and-death trial for defending God's word, the Bible. He endured. Wesley, Finney, Moody, and Spurgeon patiently held up under criticism during the great historical revivals. The criticism didn't go away, they endured. Modern-day pioneers have endured battles to reshape and renew the church, and still do today. Someone said, you can always tell a pioneer by the arrows in his back. And I hope you are a pioneer. Maybe in the business realm, in your family, in your faith, even in missions. Maybe you're breaking new ground. Maybe you are a trailblazer, a pioneer. And I pray that God will use you to break new ground and make an eternal difference. However, when he does, you must brace yourself for more criticism and pain than you might ever have imagined. To move forward in your faith, you will be criticized. To succeed at any new venture, you will be criticized. To continue to grow spiritually and follow Jesus more fully than those around you, you will be criticized. To take a stand for righteousness at home or at work, you will be criticized. To risk telling a loved one about Jesus, you will be criticized. To do whatever it is God is asking you to do. Any area where you need to step out, take a risk, will result in someone being critical as you rock the boat and question the status quo. And one of the most common pains obedient risk-takers face is the pain of criticism. And so we must learn the fourth response that God set out for us in the scriptures. When you are criticized constantly, over and over and over again, and it and the critics will not go away, you must simply endure. Jesus is our greatest model for that. He was willing to obey his father's voice no matter what the cost. Hebrews 12, 2 says, "...fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, here's the word, endured the cross." So Hebrews 12.2 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. And he, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. And for the joy and the reward set before you and before me, you will often find that you have to endure the critics and the harsh criticism as you move forward in obedience to God. So we have four responses to the critic and to our criticism that we receive. First, we listen. Secondly, we answer. Thirdly, we can dismiss the criticism, but not the critic. And harder still, we endure. Above all else, never forget. Never forget that you can't please all people, but you can please God. No matter how hard you try, You'll never please everyone. It's an impossible goal. So give up trying to please the unpleasable and live, first of all, for God your Father who always has a smile ready for you. I love the way Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. Our purpose is to please God, not people. If, like me, you hate being criticized, Recognize that the root problem, as I said at the beginning, is that we are people pleasers. And once we find freedom from our need for people's approval, we can focus on the eternal goal of bringing pleasure to God. How do we shake the desire to satisfy and please every human being? The answer is simple know who you are in Christ. In Christ, we are forgiven. In Christ we are loved, in Christ we are accepted, in Christ we are secure, in Christ we are free to be ourselves. You are who God says you are, not who people say you are. So don't try to base your life on the unstable foundation of human opinions. Instead, build your life on the unshakable truth of God. And if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible tells you, who you are in him. And no matter who who thinks something contrary to that, you need to know that you are forgiven, loved, accepted, secure, and free. When someone says you're not good enough, you don't measure up, you've made a stupid decision, I don't like your leadership, you don't belong here, just remember, God's word says just the opposite. And knowing and living the truth will allow you to rise above the need to be approved by other people and will help you to rise above the criticism that other people give to you. If you want further uh, material on criticism, constructive and destructive Criticism, Constructive and Destructive Feedback. Please go online to www.ralphhowministries.com and there look for this teaching. Sometimes I suck at handling criticism and at the end of the written copy that was posted you will find two pages of more material on constructive and destructive criticism and feedback and five tips for handling criticism in your life. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again in a week's time.